You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bowes. Great to be with you today on a cold, blustery October, late October, Western New York day. Uh, fall is in the air. Uh, I hate to say it, almost winter is in the air where I live. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting out of here into some warmer climates very soon, and we're going to talk about some of my opportunities to do that in, in a minute. I just want to say hi to Trish, Trish McFarlane, of course, co-host of the show. She is on assignment today. We miss her. We will see her next time on the show. So it's just me right now on the HR Happy Hour show. But fortunately for the listeners, it is not just me. We will welcome our guest who's waiting in the wings in just one second. A couple quick announcements from the HR Happy Hour show. Of course, thank you to the show sponsor, Virgin Pulse. Um, Great partner, great supporter of the show. You can learn more about what they're doing in, in wellness and well-being at uh, www.virginpulse.com. And uh, shout out to our friends there. Um, some A lot of events coming up uh, that we'll be traveling to and recording some shows at, both HR Happy Hour shows as well as some of the other shows on the HR Happy Hour podcast network including Research on the Rocks, We're Only Human, HR Market Watch. If you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the new shows that we launched this past summer on the HR Happy Hour Network, here's here's the trick here. Here's what's so great about it. You simply subscribe to the HR Happy Hour in iTunes, on Stitcher Radio, or whatever app you use to play your podcasts, and you'll get all the shows on the network, including Research on the Rocks, HR Market Watch, We're Only Human, and of course, the flagship, the mothership, the HR Happy Hour Show. So uh, uh, make sure you check out the new shows uh, on the network. We're really excited about how they're doing and, and super excited to work with all our friends on, on those shows. So that's it. Since Trish is not here, we, we won't banter back and forth. I won't remind her about my blog that I've been writing for 10 years that she never reads. I'll have to send her the link again. Let's get straight to it and welcome our guest on the show today. I think we, I think possibly the first time ever making his HR Happy Hour debut, which is which is a failure on my part. I've only been doing this show for about seven or eight years, and I think this is the first time we've had Mr. Kevin Wheeler on the show. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read your bio, Kevin, and then I'll formally welcome you to the show. Kevin Wheeler is the founder and chairman of the Future of Talent Institute. Kevin started the Future of Talent Institute in 2004 out of his passionate belief that organizations need a more powerful and thoughtful architecture for talent than they previously had. After a 25-year career in corporate America, serving as the SVP for staffing and workforce development at the Charles Schwab Corporation, and the Vice President of Human Resources for AlphaTech Electronics, Inc. in Thailand, and in a variety of human resources roles at National Semiconductor Corporation, Kevin has firsthand knowledge of the need for better strategies and approaches to finding, developing, and retaining people. Kevin's a renowned speaker, author, writer, consultant, uh, a, a, a guy I traveled with to China earlier in the year to present in China, and he knows more about that part of the world than anybody I know. I'm not going to read the rest of it, Kevin. It goes on and on forever. Uh, it, it's, it's too long and accomplished for me to keep reading, but let me just welcome you to the show, Mr. Kevin Wheeler. How are you today, Kevin? 
Steve, I'm great. I'm here in uh, sunny, hot New Orleans. Oh, lovely. That is uh, one of my very favorite places. And uh, I, I'm... I'm I'm jealous of, of, of the warmth. It's sunny here, but cold. It's one of those like Western New York, 42 degrees, 20 mile an hour wind days, you know, in, in October, which reminds you that winter is coming, sadly. But uh, yeah, it sure does. I grew up in Vermont. I know exactly what it's like. <laughs> beautiful, be- beautiful part of the world, though, there for sure. I spent a little bit of time there. But the um, well, great to have you, Kevin. Like, uh, you know, for folks who may not know HR, the HR Happy Hour audience, I mean, I read some of the bio. You've been, you're so in, visible and well known and well regarded in this space. I think most people do know you. So maybe, maybe just give us a hit, a hit about kind of what you're doing now and, and, and what's happening with the future uh, of talent and, and kind of some of the things you're working on these days. Why don't we start there? Yeah, that's great. A uh, lot of things going on. Obviously, the whole world of uh, talent acquisition is changing quickly and pretty dramatically. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, what I'm, what companies that I'm working with are dealing with is, um, you know, yeah, sure, the, the shortage of talent is still an issue, but it's, I think, even beyond and above that is, you know, how do we deal with the advent of technology mm-hmm. and, and what the impact that's going to have on the recruiting and HR profession in general. And I think they're also um, struggling with a gig workforce and, you know, how to deal with this, you know, it seemed like almost overnight rise in the number of contingent workers out there and, uh, and, and you know, challenging the mindset of most companies uh, and, and obviously creating a lot of issues for, for recruiters. So, you know, if I had to pick out two big things that I think companies are, are kind of grappling with, those would be the two big ones right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, Kevin. And, and, Kevin and, and as someone who gets to spend his time, lots of time, you know, thinking about these these challenges, these trends, many of them technology driven, but not all. I, I think many of them, though, certainly technology driven. Uh, it's interesting to see like um, how they're impacting not just the largest companies in the world, but but really every company in the world, I think. Right. And I, I think that many organizations, especially the, the midsize and smaller ones, are also struggling with, boy, it used to be so simple to do what we wanted to do and to find the people we needed to find. And now everything has gotten so complicated and, 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 and challenging at the same time. It, it, it is it, I don't say it's, is this maybe some of the most difficult times in your estimation in your career for, for being someone responsible, say for talent at an organization, is this about as challenging as it's been? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, having been in this recruiting and staffing profession for 30 years, probably now um, I would say never in my previous, you know, 26 or seven years, uh, has it been as challenging as now? I mean, there were always challenges, but, uh, you know, to me, it's a difference between something that's complicated, but there's a solution somewhere and somebody's got the answer for you. You know, there's a consultant or an expert or a staffing agency that can help you fix your problem to being in this, you know, what they're calling the complex world, which is, you know, where nobody knows what the answer is. You know, there isn't anybody you can call up and say, Hey, fix my problem. Right. It's, it's, it's all about experimenting. It's about trying out different stuff and, uh, you know, maybe making some mistakes and it's tough. It's really hard to, uh, to live through that yourself. And it's even harder to sell that to your leadership team. Right. Right. You never want to be that guy. Although like I, you you don't, you don't want to be that guy or that person who walks into that room and say, well, well, you know what? I don't really know what to do here. I'm not sure if this is going to work. You know, let's, let's, uh, we're in uncharted waters here, right? It's, yeah, we are. And you know, we've always trained everybody that you should have the answer, right? 
And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. when you come in without it, then the old guys look at you like, what's wrong with this person? And actually, if you're a younger savvy guy, you kind of say, great, somebody acknowledges that we don't have the answer and let's work together and figure it out. You know, uh, I think that's, you know, what you see at a company like an Amazon that, you know, is kind of inventing the future of, of, uh, of commerce and entertainment, and a lot of other things. And they don't know what the right answer is, but they experiment a lot. And Google as well, you know, they, they've made hundreds of products that have failed, uh, <laughs> right. you know, but that's okay. They don't, they don't have a problem with that. You know, the whole idea is try lots of different things and, you know, we'll figure out what actually does work, uh, as opposed to your traditional company that wouldn't dare go to market until they ab absolutely had it nailed, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just the difference in the two worlds. You know, that that's really underlines it. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple things, Kevin. Uh, you, you sort of hinted, you, you suggested in, in, in your, your comments there, and I want I want to hit on two different things. The first one I want to hit on, though, if you don't mind, this is and and, I, and, and apologies in advance, Kevin. This is not in the show notes, but you mentioned a company name which intrigued me. You mentioned Amazon, and uh, they're a fascinating company. And and, and why, why that piqued my interest is I just read, I want to say yesterday or perhaps over the weekend how uh, some comments from the person, and I, and I apologize for not remembering the name of the company, but it was from the CEO of the company, the staffing company that supplies Amazon with lots and lots of people, right, to work in the distribution centers and warehouses and at different points along their uh, fulfillment chain. And in his, he was doing his earnings call, right? It's a publicly traded company. That would, and I, I, I wish I could remember their name and I can't right now. But he, uh, his, his comments were that, um, and Amazon's his biggest customer by, by far, right? And he had said that uh, business was down from Amazon. And the reason why it was down was because it was not any problem with Amazon's business, which is going gangbusters, right? But that they had been maybe pivoting away from using as many contingent folks along their fulfillment chain and have been moving a little bit more towards hiring people as well as um, getting better on the automation side to perhaps reduce the demand for people too. And I thought it was really those two things together, right? Just that those two things in an unrelated company's earnings call and the comments that the CEO was making to me really stood out as, wow, this, this is indicative of the complexity that you talked about, Kevin. I thought it was really fascinating. I don't know if you saw that or not, Kevin, or if you have a comment about that, but I, I saw that the other day and it, after you mentioned Amazon, I felt like I had to bring it up. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't hear that that uh, speech. I wish I had. <clears throat> but you know, to be quite honest, you know, Amazon about two or three years ago bought a company called Kiva, mm -hmm. which manufactures warehouse robots. And uh, you know, clearly they have been uh, building capability and enhancing those robots uh, to the point where they can do a big chunk of the warehouse uh, kind of. Um, fetching process, right? They, they can, they can sort stock shelves and fetch the products. They still can't quite have the dexterity to pack the boxes and things like that, but they can do a big chunk of the work, which I'm sure is probably more, uh, the cause of the reduction mm -hmm. than be, yeah. the permanent. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Right. I just, it's really fascinating. I, I, I'm, I'm immensely fascinated by that company. Uh, and, and maybe also because they've managed to, through through leadership or savvy or a combination of all these things, they've managed to um, uh, plow so much money, so much of their, well, really what would have been their profits and there may be potential dividends to shareholders, plowed that back into R&D and development and, and, and building scale, right? And, and they've been Absolutely. managed, right? And they're one of the few companies that has, right? So, so many other companies or publicly traded companies for sure. 
you know, feel really compelled to play that short term quarter to quarter game, right? And Amazon has managed yeah, to, to really not do that. Yeah. No, Jeff Bezos, the CEO, is he's never been worried about that. In fact, he's a master at, you know, ignoring the short term. Yeah. And uh, getting investors to focus on the long term as well, which I think is uh, bodes well for the company in the future. But, you know, I think that everything that Amazon is doing is just indicative of this, uh, you know, rapidly changing experimental model that we're in, in terms of, of whether it's talent acquisition or, or e-commerce. It, it's mm -hmm. all having to learn as we go and uh, experiment and try a lot of different things. Uh, and, you know, it's not necessarily easy to be a talent leader anymore. It, you can't just go out and buy the ATS that's going to solve your problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, not that you ever could, but <laughs> you, you thought you could. Um, but, you know, it's, it's about, you know, building an ecosystem of technology uh, that can that can meet your needs and realizing that whatever you buy today, uh, you may have to get something new tomorrow. Sure. Uh, you don't buy for the long term necessarily. So it's uh, it's a it's a SaaS world. You know, it's a cloud based world and you use a service as long as it's viable and then you switch to another service. So. And I think that's totally okay, but I think it's it's a change in mindset. Yeah, let me uh, do a quick uh, reset. Uh, this is the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bowes. I'm joined by Kevin Wheeler from the Future of Talent Institute, uh, speaker, writer, author, and all-around smart guy. And um, we're talking about some of these kind of bigger picture trends and interesting kind of challenges that are facing, uh, for lack of a better word, people who are we're trying to get the right talent in their organizations and get that talent aligned with the organization's mission. We got, got a little bit off the track with the Amazon story, but I apologize for that, Kevin. But I just I'm, I'm so fascinated by that company. I, I wanted to mention that for sure. And that kind of dovetails a little bit, though, into some of the other things you talked about. I was reading on the futureoftalent.org site, uh, Kevin, some of the some of the outcomes or the outputs, maybe is a better way to say it, from one of your recent um kind of future of talent retreats. And so maybe we can talk about some of those themes, but maybe, maybe we'd step back for a second and you could maybe explain what these retreats kind of are and how they work. And then maybe we can talk about some of the, the more recent kind of results from, from the more, the most recent retreat that you guys had. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, the future of talent, uh, Institute posts, uh, retreats, which are two and a half day get togethers, um, Minus uh, internet for the most part, mm. uh, spotty <laughs> cell phone coverage, yeah. Uh, yeah. and um, no PowerPoint. And we go off and we look at uh, the results of some research that we do throughout the year around things that we see um, as emerging uh, trends in the talent space. So we do a lot of different kinds of, of research. Uh, we do some surveys, but we do a lot more qualitative research where we spend a lot of time in small groups talking to people, traveling around the world a lot and collecting information, uh, perusing a lot of articles and using some technology to look for, for word clouds about what's really popping up out there. And from all that, we compile uh, a list of trends and, and things that we think are impactful for anybody in the talent space. Okay. And then okay. Uh, talent leaders come together for this two and a half days and we, we present those, we dive into them, we discuss them, we argue, uh, and you know, hopefully we come away uh, with some actions for the talent leaders to go back and experiment with and try. 
Yeah, I think yeah. that process sounds so fascinating to me, like uh, and interesting, as well as you can convince these people, right, who are you know leaders of talent or talent acquisition leaders or VPs of talent, whatever you know, whatever they are, right, important people, right, in their organizations to 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 step back though and put down the cell phone and maybe get off their email for a day or two, right, which is a challenge in itself, I'd imagine. Big challenge, big yeah. challenge. <laughs> But probably really valuable and important, whether or not you're the you know the leader of talent at a Fortune 500 company, or you're just someone who's trying to get the right talent into your, you know your midsize you know manufacturing shop in Iowa, right? It, it, either oh, way, right? right? The, the ability to step back and, and think is important, right? And, and oh, sadly, we don't get to do it enough. Um, I, you know, so I was reading about this, and I'm fascinated by it. Plus, you guys also do a great job, and and you can maybe give credit where credit's due, Kevin, for the um, some of the the digital images you guys prepare as well. Um, yeah. Around the themes, which are fascinating and really cool to see, and I, you can see them all on the futureoftalent.org site as well. Um, so I was reading through one of those as I was getting ready for the show, and I the, I was looking at some of the themes and ideas that got teased out of, of one of the, the more recent retreats, and we talked about some of them a little bit. But I, I'm going to ask you about one specifically, Kevin, that I saw in there, which I have not – because we've taught you know, algorithms and robotics and automation. We've kind of <laughs> talked about it a lot. I've talked about it on the show. And cloud, of course, we've talked about plenty. Mm-hmm. But you had one in there that centered around imagery and kind of un- imagination, but specifically related to images, which I found – really, really fascinating. I wonder if you could sort of comment on, on what that means in this context of, of, of talent management, talent planning, talent acquisition. Why, why, why did you guys focus on imagery uh, in, in, in these outputs? I think, you know, as we mentioned earlier in the show about having to have an experimental mindset and, and think, you know, differently and, and, and change your, your whole mindset. And one of the ways that, you know, psychologists know that we, we move and change is through the use of imagery and, and pictures and thoughts. And I think it's part of the uh, reason, the psychological reason behind the popularity of things like Instagram mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and other uh, online technologies that are, uh, that are you know, primarily uh, pictures, right? And there's very little words there. And I talk to people you know, in my age group, and I'm not young anymore, <laughs> and, and I talk to people in my age group, and they go like, I just don't get it. You know, how do these people just look at these pictures all the time? And I look at it and I just go like, so? <laughs> and, 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 you know, I think it's really indicative of, of a changing way of looking at the world. And I think young people can imagine a future that's different. They can, they can create a mental picture of that. And, and one of the things that we try to do in the retreat is to help people, help people draw and create those images. What is your image of the future look like? If you were going to take a, uh, you know, an, uh, a picture of your future, what would it look like? What would be in that picture? Okay. And it's, it's an amazingly powerful way for people to express themselves in ways that you can't do with words. And it really helps you to, you know, think a bit differently about, about what you're doing. And it's one of the reasons we use that art is that everything we do is rather than putting it in some linear sequential bullet pointed PowerPoint, here is this, 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 graphic you have to actually work through mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you have to actually look at it and think about it and uh and and kind of imagine what was being said and done there and that opens up whole new doors and whole new worlds so i think it's it's just the most powerful tool you can ever use yeah i i, I think i kevin i agree with you i i and i'm, I'm I, maybe I'm, I'm i'm a little bit slower to come aboard board the train as well but i remember a couple things i'll just throw out there too at, at hr tech a couple of weeks ago we had um, 
uh, kind of a similar digital recording kind of thing set up for some of the, the sessions, some of the panel talks and some of the keynote presentations and so on. And where an artist was digitally kind of rendering kind of the themes and uh, concepts and some of the major points, right, in a kind of clever and fun and, and, and interesting to look at manner, right? Uh, like almost like yep. a, a summary, but one that was fun to look at and accessible and, and kind of easy to follow. And, uh, and that was so popular. Like I was amazed. It was similar to the kind of the, the things you're doing, you know, with your, 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 your uh, depictions at, at the Future Work Institute as well. But I, I was amazed and blown away by just how into it everybody was. They wanted to see how it was done and, and get access to it and download copies of it. And I just thought, boy, you're, you're, and sort of, I guess I'm, I'm saying I really agree with you, Kevin. And we just saw this, you know, I just saw this again at HR Tech is, the imagery, right? And there were some words too. It wasn't just pictures, but there were some some illustrative words and concepts as well. But a lot of imagery that all of a sudden it made these ideas, these concepts, these these uh, messages that the speaker or speakers were trying to to communicate. It, it provided another mechanism, and maybe at some level an even more effective mechanism of communicating these ideas, right? Beyond just the spoken word or the written Absolutely. word. And I was uh, blown I'm... away. I was blown away about how 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 fun that was. Yeah, no, it, it's really, I mean, if you look back to the earliest, uh, uh, you know, uh, humans, it was cave drawings, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, we almost have a, um, we almost have a, an innate uh, imagery brain that we have sort of untrained to be more in this, uh, you know, uh, word-based world that we're in. Uh, some people think it's one of the advantages the Chinese have is that their language is pictures, Mm, okay. And, okay. And you have to infer the meaning from those characters. Those characters don't necessarily mean the same thing oh. as a word does in English. Gotcha. Which changes your mindset and how you think. Uh, and, uh, and so it's it's really it's a fascinating area of research. Um, there's a lot of work being done by the psychology world right now and the power of imagery and and uh, Carl Jung, the famous psychologist, he built his whole. Um, psychoanalytic practice around imagery and dreams and 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 kind of the same world that we're talking about here uh, and it's you know we had a very mechanical century the 20th century was about perfecting machinery and perfecting uh, linear process yeah, processes I was, that was the word I was just thinking of Kevin was process yeah right? yeah and and it's and it's very appropriate it was absolutely great it gave us all the things that we have today in this world there's not nothing bad about it Mm -hmm. But it's a different perspective, right? And I think the 21st century is about, okay, we've got all that stuff and we're going to soon be able to automate it all. <laughs> and so we don't really need to be mechanical so much anymore. And probably human beings are better, much better innately at the non-mechanical stuff, at the human interaction side of things. Right. And, uh, right. and so I think that's kind of the direction that uh, I see lots of things going is, you know, I think we... Uh, we struggle with technology because we can do more than technology if we would let technology do the stuff that we feel comfortable doing. I don't know if that made any sense, but, uh, you know, kind of the routine stuff machinery can do. Yeah, but, it, it, it does make yeah, it does make sense to me, Kevin, you know, because I think the, the mindset here, or at least one that I've seen advocated plenty in this kind of, you know, this debate about whether or not the increased reliance on technology, automation, robotics, AI, whatever term we're using, and they're, they're all different. I'm not trying to say they're all, they all mean the same thing. I know they don't, but like 
is this going to be a you know to boil it down to the simplest kind of a or b right is this going to be a good thing for people and for workers and for the economies or a bad thing right and and sometimes it gets down to this kind of almost like a false choice and uh when really i think the better answer is well it, it's, it's it's of course going to be a good thing because it's always been a good thing, right? And you know, the average standard of living and the you know the GDP, whatever metric you're going to use today, compared to say 200 years ago, 400 years ago, five, you know, it, it's obviously better, right? I'm not saying it's perfect everywhere, but it's 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 about adaptation, right? It's about figuring right. out, like, yeah, okay, so it, it was obvious that you know, um, uh, you know we're not going to be as good at, you know, the Kiva robots are going to be better at, at picking certain orders in the Amazon, you know, warehouse. Let's not, let's not try to compete with them to make humans better than the Kiva robots. Cause that doesn't make any sense. Right. To do that. That's exactly yeah. right. It's kind of like to me, what's the value of a bulldozer? It put a lot of people That's out good, of work. Right? Great example. Right. Yeah. But you know, in the end it was a bulldozer, a good thing. I think it's been a pretty darn good thing. Yeah. And I think most people think it's a good thing because they don't have to dig ditches anymore. Right. Right. It, it would so, be, you know, Right, right. And, 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 yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a super point. So, I mean, God, this stuff's so fascinating. And, and you know, I'll make sure that some of the links uh, to the, some of the, the, the material we're talking about and referring to from futureoftalent.org, I'll make sure that uh, we reference those in the show notes and when we post the show, because there's a lot there. And we're, we're sort of, I'm cherry picking the things I find the most interesting, but quite frankly, it's all interesting to me. And, and I think it's really important. I, I know sometimes when I write about stuff like this, Kevin, I get, every so often I get feedback about, well, you know, that's not super practical to me. You know, I'm an HR manager and, you know, or I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. a, I've got to find three people to fill these roles like right away. This is not helping me. I don't have time for this. And, and I'd, I'd sort of say, yeah, it probably isn't helping you right to fill those three roles today. But, but the, the bigger picture, right? I, I think yeah. to, to keep an eye on these trends, to think about them, to understand them, that's what's going to make you more valuable too, I think, right, in the long term, both in your career today and maybe in the future and whatever it is you're going to do or, or how you're going to work with the next generation, maybe your kids or maybe your friend's kids or whomever it is, right? To You can't just ignore what's going on all around you and, and expect you're going to be it, able to I mean, solve the, all your problems. The best analogy I can make to all that is I, I often go back to history for these analogies is, you know, in the introduction of, of the, the truck and the automobile. Mm -hmm. And guys made the same argument. I don't care. I got to deliver groceries today. I'm going to use my trusty old horse, right? <laughs> you know, I got to get this. I got to get this hay to the market today. And yeah, you can take your car that breaks down every five minutes and, and, and come with me if you want. But I'm going to use my wagon because I know I'll get there, right? And, you know, and there's, it's legitimate. You know, they, they had a very legitimate point. Just like the people today say, I got to fill three wrecks right now. It's a legitimate point. Sure. On the same sure. hand, you can't just look at the at the car or the truck and say, oh, it'll never be anything. It's a piece of junk and it's forget it, right? Yeah. It is the future yeah. and it's going to go through a lot of iterations and evolution. But we know from history that it's going to ultimately be what we do, what we use, right? And it's the same with this technology. You know, today, some of it, sure, not all of it. A lot of it's not perfect. Uh, a lot of it is really screwed up. But you have to have the... Uh, the only word I can think of, and it's not really the best one, is mindset mm -hmm. or frame mm -hmm. of mind to think about this future. It's coming. It's evolving. Okay, I still got to fill three wrecks today. I don't have technology to do it right now, but I'm but I'm going to take 10% of my time and focus it on that future, right? right? So it's about where you put your emphasis and, and not just dismiss it or ignore it, but try to figure out how you build it into what you're doing. 
slowly but surely, right? I'd agree uh, totally, and, and and to me, there's nothing better, more, and there's nothing more fun, right? It's 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 satisfying to fill those three racks, certainly, and could be profitable, right, for you and your company. Right. Exactly. But it's probably not fun. It's probably maybe it right. is, but it's not. When you talk about these kinds of things about about where technology is going, where these kind of macro trends are heading, how our organization can best prepare ourselves and prepare prepare ourselves personally to navigate these these these, these changes and these challenges, that to me is super fun, right? Like to, to say I'm on top of this and I'm ready for it and, and I'm ready to experiment, and I'm ready to push the envelope, I'm ready to walk into that board meeting and say, here's what I think we should do with these new technologies and how we can best take advantage of them. That's fun, right? That's exciting, that's right? Fun. I think. That's so, and, and that's going to be ultimately really profitable for your company, you know. And I sit here and listen to uh, our keynote talk this morning from a major American retailer mm -hmm. talking about, mm -hmm. you know, how they were um, too early in e-commerce and didn't evolve it. And it's obsolete now. And they're having to reinvent their e-commerce. And it's, it's created some real, you know, issues around um the long-term profitability of the company is very doing very well, mm -hmm. but the profits aren't what they were because they're having to plow it, plow it back into evolving technology, which is a great example of you know, you're a very early adopter. You put some technology in place, but then you just forget about it <laughs> and, and, and you don't evolve right. it. You don't. Going. And so pretty soon it's completely up. It's like having a model T Ford today. Right. And suddenly you got to you got to move it up to a, a modern vehicle. Uh, and it costs a lot of money to do that. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's about. Uh, either being too late to adopt technology or doing too early and not evolving. And they're equally bad situations. So you've always got to use a chunk of your time to continuously think about the future and how you can incorporate the tools of that future into whatever you're doing. Kevin, I, I couldn't agree more. Hey, we uh, quick reset. This is Steve Bowes. This is the HR Happy Hour Show. My guest is Kevin Wheeler from the Future of Talent Institute. Hey, Kevin, before we sort of wrap up the pod today, I want to talk to you about another event that you will be at and delivering a keynote address that I'll be there too. I'll be doing my little hosting thing in, in, in a couple of the sessions as well. And it's super fun. It's the first ever talent acquisition technology conference that's coming up in Austin on November 15th and 16th. You're giving a really interesting sounding talk. I can't wait to hear it, Kevin. It's, it's titled The Promise and Peril of Predictive Analytics. That's the title of, of your keynote. I'd love for you, without giving it all away, because we're also trying to, you know, we're trying to goose a few people, Kevin, to, you know, <laughs> to, to make some plane reservations and come join us in Austin. So let's not give it all away, but maybe you could uh, share with us just a little bit about what led you to think about this topic and thought it would be important enough to address at, at, at a big recruiting technology uh, event. And then maybe talk a little bit about Talk a little bit about what you plan on talking about. That's a terribly worded question, but I hope you get it. Uh, I get at, it. At Talent Tech. Sure. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, we're, we're, we're very hot on analytics. That's, you hear this everywhere, people analytics, talent analytics, predictive analytics. Um, and it's become, uh, you know, for good or bad, it's become kind of the newest fad out there. And everybody's trying to hire analysts and do analytics, um, but often without, and it's got a tremendous amount of promise. It's going to be a, a wonderful thing for us to have access to really good uh, information about, uh, you know, what's the probability if I hire this person, they're actually going to be mm -hmm. successful mm -hmm. in our company. Or if I, you know, do some action, what is the chance that it's actually going to succeed? Uh, but I also think that uh, you have to be cautious about the use of this. And, you know, it's like we now have a hammer, so everything looks like a nail. 
And I, and I think you've got to suddenly say, you know, there's some things that predictive analytics or analytics in general just aren't going to be able to do. There are certain things that human insight and human knowledge are still going to be a lot better at doing. And so I'm going to talk about some of that stuff. I'm going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how we've got all these algorithms that are making decisions for us, and we don't have a clue what the algorithm has as components. Right. We don't know what it's doing. Right. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, you're being, uh, kids are being chosen for college by an algorithm, but you don't even know what it's, what it's analyzing. So there's no way you can judge the inputs because you don't know what it's using. Yeah. So yeah. is this is this good or bad? Uh, so you know we've got, we've got a lot of things like this to kind of think about. We've got things that you know uh, everything we do online is tracked. Everything, uh, every every website you've ever been to, every thing you've ever clicked on is recorded, and somebody can look at that. And the the uh, the guys out there in the analytic analysis world call that uh, data exhaust. Mm -hmm. Sure. I don't think it's exhaust. I think it's capital. Yeah. <laughs> this is how they're making money. Okay. So this is, this is gold for them because now I can predict that you're going to buy another TV next week because you bought one last week or whatever. Right. Yeah, I just read, so, I just read a piece, Kevin. It was a big, uh, uh, I want to say a big health insurer and I can't remember which one and it doesn't matter which one, but they, they stumbled on another really profitable line of business packaging up that exhaust that you, you mentioned, patch it, packaging up that data exhaust from people who are interacting with their information and their, um, their, their services. It, it's a health insurer, right? So yeah. they, they've figured out a way to resell that. They, they've made an extremely profitable new business about packaging up and reselling that exhaust that you mentioned. It's very Absolutely. fascinating. And so, you know, calling it exhaust is really dismissive. I think we, we really have to reterm that, you know, data capital. Mm -hmm. And it's real valuable stuff. And uh, to your point, yeah. and and I, then I, I also think we've got to really um, think about, you know, is the technology itself biased towards a particular kind of person or a particular ethnic group or a particular educational status? You know, how do we know sure. if the technology has a bias or not? So there's things we have to look at. It's not it's not to throw analytics away. But it's figuring out how do we make analytics more transparent, more and make more people knowledgeable about what's going on and, and kind of changing the conversation. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's what I'm going to really be talking about. How do we change the conversation? Kevin, I love it. I love the sound of this. It's going to be a fascinating uh, keynote. It's going to be a fascinating event. So a couple things real quick I'll mention about this. So if people have it and I'll put this all in the show notes. If you want to come and hear Kevin with this keynote address and come to see the rest of the conference, of course, you can get all the information you need at www.talenttechconf.com. That's talenttechconf.com. Of course, I'll put that in the show notes. Still time to come down and join us in Austin, one of the best cities in America, November 15th and 16th. Of course, Kevin doing his keynote. I'll be there too. Stacey Zapar is doing a keynote. Lots and lots of great content, lots of great companies, lots of great, uh, good expo hall as well. Lots of, it's just going to be a really exciting new event. And we're really, we're really pleased to be, uh, doing this event for the first time in November. So there's that, um, you know, and Kevin, the other thing is, uh, futureoftalent.org, right. For lots of the resources and the content we, that we refer to on the podcast, is there anything else we should mention uh, from your perspective, anywhere else you want to shout out anywhere else you're going to be, uh, uh, Anything folks should know about getting in touch with Kevin Wheeler? Yeah, no, just, uh, you know, feel free to get in touch with me uh, either through the 
futureoftalent.org website or uh, through my LinkedIn profile, or which is easy to find. Just look up Kevin Wheeler. You'll find me on there. Um, and uh, I connect to people pretty easily. I, I have a big network, and I enjoy connecting. Uh, if you have a question or an issue, let me know. Awesome. Uh, but uh, I'm here for you. Hey, like Kevin, I'm. I love that. I should. That should be my sign off for the show. I'm here for you, uh, for the HR Happy Hour listeners. I like that. I might steal that from you, Kevin. I love the sound of it. <laughs> I, uh, Kevin, this has been just for. Thanks for doing the show. Uh, uh, I'm pretty short notice too. Uh, you know, uh, fascinating conversation. I could talk about this stuff for hours and hours. You know, we'll, we'll probably we will. I promise you this. We'll have to have you back on the HR Happy Hour show sooner than the seven years it's taken me to get you on for the first time. We'll, <laughs> we'll absolutely do it. And, and continue these conversations because I'm endlessly fascinated by them. So definitely check out futureoftalent.org, the conference, of course, talenttechconf.com. I'd like to thank uh, our sponsor, once again, Virgin Pulse, www.virginpulse.com, to learn more about what they're up to. Great supporters of the show, and thank you so much to them. Uh, Trish, on assignment, we'll see you soon, uh, hopefully soon. I have a couple events coming up. Um, uh, I'll be at some talent, techno talent technology events, Kevin, as a matter of fact, an iSIMS event coming up and a Smashfly event coming up as well. So I'll be on the road a little bit in the next couple of weeks, hopefully do some, uh, some remote recording from some of the folks we see down the line. And of course, we'll see you, Kevin, and hopefully lots of the listeners at the Talent Technology Conference in Austin in the middle of November. So that's it for me. For Kevin Wheeler, thanks to our guest. For Trish McFarland, my name's Steve Bowes. Thanks very much for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show. Catch us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, all the places you listen to your podcasts. Just search for HR Happy Hour. Subscribe, and you will never miss a show. Thanks so much. We will see you next time from the HR Happy Hour Show. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.